you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Well, what's up, Movement Church? Come on, somebody. Let me hear your hand clap. Let me hear you shout for a moment. Come on, Movement Church. Don't get quiet on me. We are back in pop-up campuses. You are right here watching online. Let me say a what's up, a huge what's up to our South Campus. If you're at South right now, let me hear you make some noise. Say what's up. Come on, let me hear you shout it down. Hey, let me say what's up to our Central Campus. What's up? Come on, somebody say yeah, yeah. And to our Studio Campus right here in the building. So good to have you. To those of you who are on our online campus, you're my favorite people. I'm so glad that you are tuning in. And I'm excited about what God wants to do and say. I've got a lot of things to share with you. And man, I believe God's in the middle of doing something great. We just finished our 21 days of prayer and fasting and God is stirring things up inside of me. And and we've got a new series coming your way that starts in just two weeks called Kingdom Come, where we're talking about kingdom principles. And listen to me, you need this in your life. You need to know God's kingdom principles for our life right now while we roam this earth in 2021. And I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. But what's really exciting is next week is our movement night. And I'm telling you, it's going to be one for the books. This is a time where we worship together as a family. Uh, We have extended worship where we just lean into the presence of God. It's where we take communion together as a family as well. We'll have both online options for you and in-person options for you. But this This will have a little bit of a different twist to it because we're going to spend some time believing and praying that God's going to do something amazing in our nation. Come on, how many of you know we need God to move miraculously? Somebody say amen right where you're seated. Well, listen, I got a lot to preach to you today. And I want to just kind of kick it off with the scripture. It's kind of the nuts and bolts of this series called pursuit. It's found in Jeremiah 29 11. You've heard this scripture before. You probably, some of you have 29 11 as your pin code for your ATM card. I guarantee you there are some of you who have Jeremiah 29 11 on a journal because it's an amazingly encouraging scripture and we all know it. It says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Come on, that's some good news. Like if you need good news, you need to read Jeremiah 29, 11. Well, listen, what I love is the next scripture. It goes on to say, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Some of you need to be reminded of that right now. He wants to listen to you. You will seek me and find me. And when you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. We're in a series called Pursuit, and and I want to tell you, as your pastor, it's my hope and my prayer that you pursue God until, that you don't stop pursuing God. My hope and prayer is that this is not just some 21-day campaign or some cute trend to start off the year right, to do a deep spiritual Christian diet cleanse and pray for a few days and then after it's over, we stop pursuing God. No, my hope and my prayer is that you pursue God until, like just never ending. 
Just pursue God until. I, I don't want to develop and to build up some disillusioned believers who are disillusioned with their faith, disillusioned with their relationship with Christ, disillusioned with how to live life and who to be and, and what is God up to. And I, I believe that right now we're living in a day and age where, where Christianity is waffling. I believe that pursuit of who God is is waffling. And listen, I want to tell you right now, that's not our hope and our prayer for you at the Movement Church. My, our hope and prayer is that you don't stop pursuing. Somebody's right now hearing a Journey song right now. Just a small town girl, come on. Living in a lonely world. Come on, you feel that? I freaking hit that note in falsetto. I'm going to tell you right now, with the keys playing in a different key, I'm going to throw that out there. Listen, I want you to don't stop believing. Turn to somebody and say, don't stop believing. Come on, studio audience. Turn to somebody and say, don't stop believing. I got a message to preach to you today. It's called, Either Way We Win. Just turn to somebody else say, Either Way We Win. Come on, turn to your second choice. Say, Either Way We Win. Say it through a mouth. Either Way We Win. Either Way We Win. Either Way We Win. Let me pray for you. Here's what I want to ask. Just shut off the normal church clock in your brain. What if you and me just have a conversation? Just for the next 30 minutes. And what if God orchestrated your life for this moment, every aspect, every nuance of your life, for this moment in a campus or watching online, maybe right here in the studio, and he wants to speak to you. And through the, the crazy ways that only God can, he, he chose to use me today, which means that it's dependent upon the posture of your heart. So what if we lean into what God wants to do and say to us today, can I pray for you? Would you bow your heads wherever you're at? Close your eyes, unless you're driving, keep your eyes open. Let's pray, God, we thank you that you're here. Do something miraculous in and through us. God, we wanna pursue you until. We don't wanna trend, we don't wanna campaign, we don't want something that comes and goes. We don't wanna be disillusioned in our faith. We wanna be resolute. So God, we lean into you right now. In Jesus' name I pray, and everybody said, amen and amen, which just means I agree. Man, it's so good to be with you, to be back with you. I, I'm excited about preaching this message today, and as we're kind of closing out pursuit, this series about pursuing who God is and what God wants to do. And I don't know about you, but man, when I grew up, my, my dad and I, we were so similar in personalities that we butt heads all the time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Raise your hand, you know exactly what I mean. And, and one of the things that we would butt heads over all the time was when he was helping me with math homework. He was like this math genius. He had this photographic memory and, and we would sit down and he would try to help me with math and he would be like, just, this is what you do. This is how the equation works. And I'm like, what? I don't know what you're trying to say. And he would just, well, do this. And I would be like, I don't know how you did that. And he would be so angry because it came so simply to him. It just clicked for him. And for me, I'm like, I don't know how to do it. Does anybody getting some freedom right now from some homework scars, some emotional scars? And the problem was my dad just didn't quite know how to teach me how to solve the math equations. And as we close out this series on pursuit, I wanted to talk about the how. How do I pursue until? How do I actually do that as a follower of Christ? I'm so glad that you asked. And, 
And I just want to tell you, number one, my first point for you today is this. Embrace the faith of Bartimaeus. Somebody say Bartimaeus. Some of you don't even know who I'm talking about. Well, actually, Megan and I are pregnant. We're having a son, and we're naming him Bartimaeus. I'm kidding. He's a small character in the New Testament who has huge faith. And we see him emerge on the scene like a blip, like a commercial, like a cameo appearance in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus is walking along the road one day and crowds were gathering around him, following him everywhere that he went. And we find this character named Bartimaeus who shows up on the scene. We read about it in Mark chapter 10, verse 47 through 48. And it says this, and when he heard, that's he being Bartimaeus, it was Jesus of Nazareth. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus heard that Jesus was coming by and he pursued. Bartimaeus' faith pursued Jesus. Son of David, have mercy on me. He heard that Jesus was in town. He was blind from birth, could not see, and he would not be stopped until he got to Jesus. You see, we pursue what we're passionate about. Now, I've been with my wife since March 19th, 1997. Come on, somebody. And when I fell in love with her, she was a senior in high school and I was in sixth grade. No, I'm kidding. I was a sophomore in high school and I was in love with her, but she put me in the friend zone. She told a friend of mine that we're just friends. And I was like, nah, baby girl. Mm-mm. And I pursued her with everything that I could. I flirted like crazy. Back in the day, we, put, we called it throwing the Mac down. I mean, I was all about, I was playing jars of clay music just to try to get her excited to see me. And man, I pursued and pursued and pursued until March 19th, 1997. We walked out to the backside of the church and I said, hey, I like you. She said, I like you too. I was like, I'm not allowed to date because my parents are super strict, but do you want to not date me? And she was like, I would totally love to not date you. And she's still my baby. You pursue what you love. You pursue what you're passionate about. You pursue what you love and you pursue what you're passionate about. I love the faith of Bartimaeus, his faith pursued. Look at verse 48, it says this. And many rebuked him, telling him, be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David. They tried to get him to shut his mouth, but he still cried out, son of David, have mercy on me. Not only did his faith pursue, but his faith was vocal. He was not going to let Jesus pass by without receiving this miracle. It wasn't a timid faith. It was a passionate, vocal faith demonstrated by crying out for Jesus. Have you ever had somebody tell you, hey, I'm praying for you? Or shoot you a text, something crazy went on in your world, and they shot you a text, and they're like, hey, I'm praying for you. And you're like, please. Please. You know why we think that? Because you have told somebody that you were praying for them and you never prayed for them. So when somebody says you're praying for us, we're like, really? Are you really praying? And I think that's because for too many of us as followers of Jesus, we have allowed our faith to be some faith through osmosis. Like we just think it will happen if we have a thought. Like we think that if we just think it, It is enough. And I want to tell you, some of you need to get vocal with your faith. It's time to start praying and confessing what God is going to do. It's time to cry out with a loud voice and ask and believe that God is going to move on your behalf. 
His faith pursued, his faith was vocal. Look at Mark 10, 51, it says this. Jesus shows up and he says, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, said Bartimaeus, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see and he followed Jesus down the road. I love that Bartimaeus, his faith was specific in its requests. And I believe that there are some of you who have backed into the shadows of fear and doubt and you're doing so to avoid disappointment because you've asked and you've prayed and you believed before, but it didn't happen, so you've allowed your faith to waver. You've allowed your expectation to set the level of your faith. And I just wanna tell you, be specific in what you're believing for. I think some of you need to get a journal out and write down specifically the dreams and the plans and the things that are in your heart because God planted them there. I think some of you need to talk to a friend and say, hey, I'm praying for something and I don't want to tell you because I'm a little bit nervous. What if it doesn't happen? But just speak it out in faith because when we're specific with our requests, I believe that Jesus moves. His faith pursued. His faith was vocal and he was specific with his request and Jesus looked at him and said, go, your faith has healed you. What are your expectations for God to do in your life this year? What are your expectations for God to do in your marriage with your children, with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, or maybe the boyfriend that might show up this year? Maybe it's time to get specific with your requests. We need to embrace the faith of Bartimaeus. And if you're gonna pursue until, you need determination in the pursuit. Somebody say determination. Now somebody say it like with some real faith, determination. No, somebody say it with some real faith. Come on, studio audience, say determination. That's what I'm talking about. Why is it that people pursue Jesus? Why is it that people decide to pursue him? Why do they stay? And then why is it that so often when it comes to Christianity, people go? I think probably one of the most challenging and difficult and frustrating tensions of my job is watching people come and go in their relationship with Jesus. You see, people pursue Jesus more often than not because they need something. And the challenge is once they don't get what it is that they're asking for in their time frame or when they want it, they go. There's a variety of different reasons that we want something from God. Maybe it's a a spouse. Not a new spouse, but a spouse. And Maybe it's finances that you just have been struggling and you just need some finance. Maybe some of you are facing a real physical uh, illness right now and, and it's a miracle that you need, a healing to take place. And I mean, the list is as long as humanity is and, and there's a variety of reasons of why. And I believe that those reasons and needs are legit and I believe that we should go to Jesus. In fact, he said, hey, come and make your requests known to me. That's the way that he operates in, his, in our life. But when Jesus called the disciples, he called the disciples to follow him, to know him and to build a relationship with him. He didn't say, hey, come and I'll give you everything that you want. Jesus is the prize. He is the prize. Not what he can do for us. Jesus is the prize. And it's the inverse which creates disillusioned believers. You see, Jesus doesn't want to just give you something great. Jesus wants you to become someone great. 
Let me say that again. Jesus doesn't want to just give you something great. Jesus wants you to become someone great. That's what he meant when he said, hey, follow me. And in the process, we're changed in the pursuit. That's what takes place as I pursue Jesus until something inside of me is shifted and changed. I begin to grow and God removes some of the, the, the rough edges of my life and he helps temper who I am. And I, I begin to walk a little bit more like who he is and I'm changed in the pursuit. Hebrews 6 says it like this in the Passion Paraphrase, but we long to see you passionately advance until the end and you find your hope fulfilled. So don't allow your hearts to grow dull or lose your enthusiasm, but follow the example of those who fully receive what God has promised because of their strong faith and patient endurance the win is not the product the win is the process the win is not the product the win is the process the win is not the product it's not the what it's the process hey christian it's time for you and me to shift pursuing him for what i can get and begin to pursue him for who i can become that's what this is about that's my heart for you as a pastor. And what's interesting is, listen, if you find yourself wavering in your pursuit, it's okay. In fact, we see this throughout the ministry and the life of Jesus. When Jesus was performing the miracles, healing the sick, the lame were walking, the blind could see. When he would preach a message on the side of a hill and 5,000 men would be there, plus women and children, and historians believe there would be 20,000 people present because Jesus was preaching and teaching and loving and doing miracles. He was feeding them. 20,000 people were there. They were pursuing Jesus, though, for what they could get. As you fast forward in the life of Jesus, after his death, burial, and resurrection, when he shows up to his disciples again, we know based upon the scripture that now he shows up and there's only 500 people present. So what shifted between the time where he's feeding the 20,000 and now after his death, burial, and resurrection, there's 19,500 less disciples there. Where'd they go? Well, Jesus tells us in John chapter six, let me make this very clear, he said. You come looking for me because I fed you by a miracle and not because you believe in me. And oh, friend, can I just tell you, hey, lean in and listen to me for a moment. Can I just tell you that this is my greatest concern about Christianity today? He said, we've made it about what we can get and not about who we are called to become. You keep watching Jesus' life and his time on earth comes to an end. He had already completed the finished work at Calvary. He'd been crucified, buried, and resurrected. And he's like, hey, I did my job. It's time for me to go. And you want me to go because I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit. And when I do, he's gonna unleash power in your life. And then Jesus was going to establish the New Testament church. And Jesus turns to the 500 disciples. And he says, go to Jerusalem and wait until. 
Just a few years earlier, 20,000 gathered. After his death, burial, and resurrection, 500 are present. Jesus turns to them and says, go to Jerusalem and wait until the Holy Spirit has been unleashed upon you. We don't know every detail about this. But we know historically that there was about a 10-day waiting period between when Jesus said this and the day of Pentecost. Now, the disciples did not know how long it would be. They didn't know it would be a 10-day period. They didn't know that Jesus' plan was to unleash the Holy Spirit at the Feast of Pentecost. They didn't know that. They may have deduced that through, through some logical reasoning, but they had no clue. And here we find in Acts chapter 2, when, they, when God releases the Holy Spirit on the earth, there aren't 500 present. There aren't 20,000 present. There's 120 there. So we see the disciples wavering in their pursuit. It's interesting, isn't it, that as they waited without answers, the crowd thinned. Some people leave when the bread runs out. And they move on to different sources. But others leave during the waiting and the mystery. Ten days. It's a long time. I mean, if you've been gotten quarantine, you got to lock up for about that time. You know what I'm talking about? Y'all don't know? Okay, moving on. Others leave during the waiting and the mystery. Hey, Christian, look at me for a moment. In the studio audience, look at me in the eyes for a moment. Watching online, listen to me. Let me ask you a personal question. Which group would you have been in? Would you have been a part of the group of the 20,000, the 500? Would you have made it? to the group of 120? Is it challenging for you? What, what is it that you do when you're living in the mystery? Perhaps the mystery of the silence of heaven or the mystery of unanswered prayers or the mystery of an unknown outcome or the mystery of, of a perception that God has forgotten about you. How do you handle the mystery in the waiting? If we don't have determination in the pursuit, then we'll leave when the bread runs out or in the waiting in the mystery. And I just wanna tell you, man, I, I don't want that for you. I want us to be a pursuer who stays with Jesus, pursuing when the promises are there and the bread is in abundance and when the bread runs out and the crowd begins to thin. I wanna be a follower of Jesus and I want you to be a follower of Jesus who's there when the miracles are taking place and when they're no longer happening and you're not sure when or how the answer is going to come. And I believe that's what God wants for you and for me to pursue in abundance and in lack. So how do we do this? Well, the answer is simple. It's pursuing the person of Jesus for who he is and who you will become and not for what you, be, you will get. Pursuing the person of Jesus for who he is and who you will become and not for what you will get. And this is called faith. And it's the essential component of a disciple. I'm afraid that people don't have faith anymore. They just know the process of religion, even if it's religion with killer music and a great looking pastor who can preach fire. That was a great amen. It's connecting our hope, our pursuit, and our lives to something bigger than a temporary prayer request. 
Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. It's called the, the Hall of Faith. It's where all the great men and women of, the, of faith are listed in the Bible. And we read in chapter 11, verse 33, it says this, by faith these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death but others were tortured refusing to turn from God in order to be set free they placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips others were chained in prison some died by stoning some were sawed in half and others were killed with the sword some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats destitute and oppressed and mistreated the same faith that saw the dead raised back to life is the same faith that saw others sawed in half. The same faith that Daniel mustered which shut the mouths of lions is the same faith that people mustered as they walked into the arenas in Rome and their bodies were ripped apart by lions. Never in the time of scripture are we promised to get whatever it is that we ask for. Great faith is connected to eternal purpose, not a temporary outcome. Now I know this sounds really encouraging, doesn't it? And here's the challenge about our faith is that God never promised us the outcome that we want. He promises the outcome that we need. And here's my encouragement to you right now. Don't quit. Be determined in your pursuit, but also be confident in God's reward system. Be confident in God's reward system. Hebrews 6 says this, for God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown towards his name. He's a good father. The scripture talks about this all the time. He's a good father. In other words, he's working with your best interests in mind. The challenge always arrives when we don't get what it is that we want, but I'm telling you right now, we don't want what we want. We want what God wants for our life. He's working with your best intention in mind, so trust his reward system. So we've gotta embrace the faith of Bartimaeus. We've gotta have determination in the pursuit. And lastly, we've got to remember that either way we win. Turn to somebody, say, either way we win. Somebody say it with a little more faith. Say, either way we win. We can't lose. We may not get what we want, but we can't lose. We serve a God who's never lost a battle. We can't lose. Either way we win. On April 12th, 2015, I called my dad who was losing his battle to cancer. It at this point had ravaged his body. It was in his bones, his ribs, his liver, everywhere in between. And the doctors were just trying to manage the pain. And I'm 1600 miles away. And on April 12th, 2015, I call him on a Sunday and he and I would text every Sunday. He'd shoot me encouraging words, say, hey, I listened to your message from last week. Man, you're getting better every week. And 
So I called him, hey dad, how are you? Oh, Carrie, I'm doing great. I, I spent some time with Jesus today and it was the best time I've had. He said, Carrie, I'm so in love with my savior. I'm so in love with Jesus that I'm, I'm doing great. He said, oh man, your mom and I are sitting on the couch and we're having coffee and man, I love your mom more than I ever have before. I'm doing great. He said, oh, Carrie, all my kids love Jesus and they're plugged into church. He said, I'm doing great. And two weeks later to the day he passed away. So how do you have peace like that? And faith like that. When cancer is eating at your body and you're in more pain than pain medication can take away. How do you have a peace when you know in the bottom of your heart that you are in the last chapter of your life? How do you have a faith to pursue God in the darkest days of your life when you're praying for a miracle that probably won't show up like you want it to. Let me tell you how. When you realize that either way, you win. Either way, we win. You see, my dad realized that if God healed him on this earth, it's a win because he'd have more time with his family, but he knew that if God decided to take him home, that he would win because he would spend an eternity in heaven with his savior. He knew that either way he wins because he gave his life everything that he could. He raised his family every way that he possibly could. He pursued Jesus with everything that he possibly could. He prayed desperately for miracles with faith that could move mountains. And he didn't see the outcome that he wanted, but either way he won. Listen to me, church. Either way we win. Come on, either way we win. When it doesn't matter what you're facing, it's not about the temporary prayer request. It is important, it is significant, it matters to God, but our faith and our hope is in the person of Jesus and not in our desired outcome or our desired time frame. Let's pursue until. Let's pursue until. Let me wipe the pond off my face. Look at me in the eyes for a moment. There are some of you who are tuned in right now and you can't say with certainty either way we win because you've not begun the journey with Jesus. What made my dad able to live a life like that was that he began a relationship with Jesus that saved him from an eternity in hell, separated from God and paved a pathway to heaven. And there's a starting point for you. It is not church membership. It is not through osmosis. Listen to me. It is about making a declaration of faith that says, Jesus, I believe you are who you said you were. And there are some of you who are watching and you need to make that declaration of faith right now. There's some of you who are watching and you've been running from God. You've been flirting with your faith. You've chosen to kind of just simply deny God with your life, not reject him, but God, I'm gonna do my own thing. And today, right now is your moment to come back. So I want everyone in every room, in every device, heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. And if you're here right now, you need to make that decision, that declaration of faith to say, Jesus, I'm coming to you.
then just make these words, my prayer, your own prayer. Repeat after me to say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me, that you've called me. You've given me purpose, but I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? And now just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.